It's Monday, August 31st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, India breaks COVID-19 record and Europeans protest against restrictions. First, the world in brief. India set a new world record for the highest daily number of new COVID-19 infections confirmed by tests. The country reported 78,761 new cases of the disease on Saturday, beating a daily record set by America in mid-July. The global number of reported infections exceeds 25 million, according to data from John Hopkins University, with 6 million in America alone. Protests occurred in several European capitals against government restrictions intended to curb the spread of COVID-19. In Berlin, over 38,000 people turned out to demonstrate. Some far-rightists attempted to break into the Reichstag, the home of Germany's legislature. Counter-coronavirus measures are being reimposed in many countries as Europe suffers a second spike in infections. Police opened a homicide investigation after a man was shot in Portland, Oregon, as a procession of President Donald Trump's supporters clashed with anti-racism demonstrators in the street. The president and Joe Biden, his Democratic rival, traded barbs over who was to blame for the violence. Meanwhile, Mr Trump plans to visit Kenosha, Wisconsin tomorrow, despite pleas from the mayor and the governor. They worry his presence will ignite the unrest. Tens of thousands of Belarusians chanted, Happy birthday, you rat, and flew red and white opposition flags near the presidential residence in Minsk. After stealing an election on August 9th, Alexander Lukashenko declared himself re-elected as Belarus's president. Mr Lukashenko launched a crackdown on foreign media in advance of this weekend's protests. For the latest salvo in the superpowers tech war, China announced new restrictions on exports of artificial intelligence technology, which could complicate the sale of TikTok's American operations. Donald Trump has ordered ByteDance, TikTok's owner, to divest the division on the grounds that it mishandles Americans' personal data. Microsoft, Oracle and Walmart are among the potential bidders. Reliance Industries, an Indian conglomerate run by Mukish Umboni, agreed to pay $3.4 billion for the retail assets of Future Group. The deal gives the super tycoon a stronger platform from which to compete with two American titans, Amazon and Walmart-owned Flipkart, for dominance of the rapidly growing Indian e-commerce business. And the Championship of Chess Olympiad held online this year had to be shared between India and Russia after the internet went down in India. Two Indian players had forfeited games upon being timed out, tipping the finals to Russia. After an appeal, the International Chess Federation declared both countries to be the winners. And now, here's today's agenda. Out with the old, the Dow reshuffles. The companies that make up the Dow Jones Industrial Average, America's oldest stock index, will be reshuffled today. Two of the Dow's longest-standing constituents, ExxonMobil, an oil giant, and Raytheon Technologies, an industrial conglomerate, are out. So is Pfizer, a pharmaceutical firm. In their stead come newer tech firms, such as Salesforce, a cloud software provider, Amgen, 
a biotech firm, and Honeywell, another industrial conglomerate. The shuffle was prompted by today's four-on-one stock split by Apple, a tech giant. Somewhat unusually, the Dow is weighted by share prices. Most indexes, such as the S&P 500, the leading barometer of American stocks, are weighted by the market capitalization of each firm. Thus, Apple's stock split reduced the firm's share of the index from 12% to 3%. Even so, the shuffle is largely symbolic. The Dow has little relevance to financial markets these days. Almost all modern stock funds are instead benchmarked by the S&P 500. Reality Bites – Turkey's GDP By some measures, Turkey's economy looks untouched by the COVID-19 pandemic. Unemployment in May, the most recent month for which figures are available, was 12.9%, nearly a percentage lower than in January. The government has managed to keep unemployment figures artificially low by making it illegal for employers to sack workers and by adopting a highly restrictive definition of joblessness. But GDP figures for the quarter to the end of June, released today, are expected to deliver a reality check. Economists forecast that the country's economy will have contracted between 7.1% and 13.1% year-on-year. The government remains upbeat, insisting that a raft of stimulus measures, including the biggest increase in lending in a decade, will deliver positive growth for the year as a whole. But the optimism has not been contagious. The World Bank and the IMF expect Turkey's economy to contract by 3.8% and 5% respectively this year. Unhappy anniversary. Macron visits Lebanon. The timing is symbolic, but times have changed since 1920. Emmanuel Macron, the French president, arrives in Lebanon today for his second visit since the massive explosion in Beirut's port on August 4th. His trip coincides with the 100th anniversary of France's decision to carve Lebanon out of the League of Nations mandate of Syria. There is little to celebrate on Lebanon's centennial. Its capital was wrecked by the blast, and its economy is collapsing. Annual inflation hit 112% in July. 55% of the country lives in poverty. The Prime Minister, Hassan Diab, resigned on August 10th. Mr Macron wants Lebanon to appoint a credible replacement and implement much-needed reforms. But the job of choosing a new government falls on Lebanon's ossified politicians, who have little interest in diluting their power or rooting out corruption. The French president will find he has far less leverage in the Levant than his predecessors did 100 years ago. Love and Understanding America's LGBTQ voters. Joe Biden will hold a virtual fundraiser today alongside Cher, a singer who recently tweeted that she will never stop believing in Joe. Pete Buttigieg, who came out as gay while mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and Tammy Baldwin, an openly gay senator for Wisconsin, will also feature. They will probably tout Mr. Biden's record on gay rights. He endorsed same-sex marriage in 2012, forcing the hand of President Barack Obama, who had not yet voiced his support. President Donald Trump is also courting LGBTQ voters. He will have a hard time. Some 60% of LGBTQ Americans polled by YouGov think Mr. Biden cares about them, 
compared to 18% who think Mr. Trump does. The Republicans' policy platform still opposes gay marriage, and the Trump administration have been openly hostile to transgender Americans. No wonder that around 75% of lesbian, gay, and bisexual voters supported Mr. Obama in 2012 and Hillary Clinton in 2016. Sugar High, Britain's half-price meal scheme. Today is the last day of Eat Out to Help Out, a state-funded discount in Britain of 50%, up to £10, on meals eaten in restaurants between Mondays and Wednesdays in August. Commentators scoffed when Rishi Sunak, Britain's finance minister, originally announced the scheme last month. So did ordinary Brits. During the first nine days of the scheme, they scoffed down 64 million half-price meals at a cost of 336 million or 449 million US dollars to taxpayers. The hospitality industry is over the moon. The scheme was more successful than anyone could have dared hope and has been credited with reviving consumer confidence in going out and spending. Yet tough times lie ahead for the sector. Another three months of rent plus arrears becomes due at the end of September. Autumnal weather will dampen enthusiasm for alfresco dining and many Britons are still working at home rather than commuting into city centre offices. Expect establishments in central London to be particularly hard hit. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Saroyan, who was born on this day in 1908. At his best, things do not happen to the artist. He happens to them. That's it from The Economist's morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you will have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.